You're listening to Interviews, the podcast that cracks the entrepreneurship code. I'm your host, Laurent Autain. I'm an entrepreneur, coach to entrepreneurs, and startup mentor with more than 20 years' experience running companies and advising entrepreneurs. Being an entrepreneur is the most difficult job there is. There are no practical guidelines. So join me every week and learn how you can better navigate your entrepreneurship journey and become an exceptional entrepreneur. Hi, thank you for joining interviews on this special episode about the future of workplaces. COVID-19 has changed the way people work. For instance, in many countries, we're now used to work remotely. Now that we're getting closer to the end of the pandemic, we hear more and more reports about employees enjoying this new lifestyle and not willing to go back to their offices or under certain conditions. The term hybrid space has been popping up in many conversations. So for businesses, the following question has become a big headache. What should the future, the future workplace look like? And so I have invited three guests with three different perspectives to help me answer that question. My first guest is Robin Wichale, the founder of E2 Design in Finland. Robin is a workplace interior architect who helps HR leaders create inspirational workplaces ready for hybrid work. His local workplace knowledge and understanding of international projects makes Robin the first choice for global organizations seeking a local expert. Robin's ambition is to deliver a beautiful new interior that functions perfectly, embodies who his clients are and exceeds their expectations. Next, I have Benoit Babish, HR Director, Talent Management and HR Business Partners at Santen, a worldwide pharmaceutical company with HQ in Japan. Benoit lives in Switzerland. He has more than 20 year experience working in HR and talent management for global pharma and medtech organizations with high growth and or fast paced transformation agendas. As a business HR leader, his passion lies in team performance and shared success. His mantra is play to win together. And last but certainly not least, with me is Mark Hemeter, the founder and CEO of Office Evolution, which develops, operates, and franchises co-working co virtual office and executive suite operations, primarily in suburban and neighborhood locations in the USA. Prior to funding Office Evolution in 20, 2003, Mark was a developer and operator of hospitality properties, including resort hotels, casinos, retail stores, and restaurants in Colorado, Hawaii, Louisiana, Louisiana California, Mexico, and the Caribbean. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a global remote company that has been providing marketing and communication services since 2005. Their goal? help you thrive in the new normal. Log on their website to learn more, socialprize.me. And here we are. Thank you to the three of you for joining me today. It's going to be very interesting. So my first question, what have we learned about workplaces with the pandemic? And maybe a sub-question, how have the workplaces transformed well i can give a start here uh, laurent and um 
I think the, the first obvious question is that the workplaces have, have been empty with the pandemic. But I, I say that because, well, of, of course, it's obvious to anyone. But actually, by becoming empty, it means that the workplace has, has gone somewhere else because there's still a workplace and it has gone virtual for two years. And as a result, we, we are all, I think, and I discussed with many colleagues, trying to think, you know, how do we uh, recreate a physical workplace, but that is different from maybe the one we had before, because anything, anyway, things have changed. And that's what we call hybrid. Uh, where I work, the definition of that, and we're still identifying, you know, how to make it happen is to create an environment where employees can have meaningful interactions. And I can develop that later. I'll take a stab at it. Um, what we've learned is that the five day a week workplace, the traditional office is dead. The completely work from home environment is probably not sustainable. So the final solution is gonna be somewhere in the middle. And it's gonna vary by company, it's gonna vary by type of user, it's gonna vary by the environment. And we're all struggling to figure out what does that look like? And, uh, but what I know, the two extremes don't work. It's somewhere in the middle and it's gonna be very customized. Absolutely. I agree with uh, both you guys and uh, Mark, especially your comments about having these two extreme scenarios. They uh, totally work from home, which a lot of us have been experiencing during the, the pandemic. Um, and as you rightly say, there's a lot of advantages for that. And at least for the first few months, a lot of people found that it was actually much better than working in their office. And uh, a lot of people thought that this is what's here to stay. Um, but uh, as, uh, as we've found out, as the pandemic's gone on, after a couple of years of working from home, I think everybody's ready for some, uh, some interaction and some teamwork in the office space. Um, but as you say, there's gonna be a huge variety of solutions and there's certainly not going to be one size fits all when it comes to future workplaces. So let's, let's talk about that a bit more. And, and Bruno already um, started talking about it, about the meaningful place or what we call today hybrid spaces. Like we hear, we hear that term everywhere. So what is it exactly an hybrid space? Well, hybrid to me in the way I communicate to employees means that it's partially in the office physically and partially online virtual uh, from home or eventually from somewhere else than from home because you know working remotely doesn't mean working from home for everyone um, and then about the meaningful interactions it means different things for different people um, but the spirit behind is that when you have a day where you want to have creativity and uh, exchange uh, um, uh, visual or you know or, or verbal, ideas um, in in the team setup then it then the office is most than you know the right place to do that because you can really develop ideas at a pretty fast pace and you never have the same level of interactions and quality of output than meeting in person versus doing it virtual and then the day you have your your you know phone calls lined up one after the other well you'd rather work somewhere else from the office because actually it won't change anything for yourself or for your your stakeholders so that's what we try to explain in terms of you know building inter meaningful interactions and most of the work we we try to really do it with the line managers who who actually know when it is the right time to put their team in person together somewhere 
or just to let people go and work, you know, um, remotely uh, when it's needed. Yeah, I'm Robin. I'm really interested in your answer as to what does the office space look like? Because if what Benoit is saying is correct, and I agree that our the workspace is now a place for interaction and brainstorming working, but the focus work is done probably at home. That means the office might not exist anymore, but a group of meeting spaces exists. So That's Laurent, sorry to take like, your question, but I'm fascinated. What does the workspace yeah. look like in the future? Yeah, that, yeah. I, I don't yeah. have pictures, but I'll share with you um, uh, later on. But uh, we, we have designed, the office is designed like an airport hub or, uh, you know, so you have areas with sofas, areas with um, tables, high tables, low tables, you have quiet areas, you have phone booths for those who want to be isolated, you have meeting rooms, those kind of things. Yeah, I think one, uh, one change that we've noticed um, is absolutely the shift to, to make workspaces so that they're more focused on collaborative work. Um, that's a definite, uh, definite change that I think we're gonna see pretty much in, in every workspace to some degree. Um, of course, it depends a lot sector by sector um, and also depends a lot on the workforce in question. Uh, we've noticed um, earlier, Mark, you were talking about the two extremes of having fully remote or fully on-site. And I think there's two extremes as well when it comes for the type of workers and how they've adjusted to, to working from home. Um, one end of the scale, you have a kind of mature knowledge worker who probably focuses a lot on individual tasks. They probably have a home which really supports remote work, dedicated workspace, Maybe they don't have young kids and distractions and they've really loved uh, skipping the commute. Um, then at the opposite end of the scale, probably younger people, more junior people, um, people who maybe live in small apartments or have small kids and have uh, far from optimal working environment, maybe even extremely stressful working environment at home. And for those people, they also really want to be um, around mentors in the office. They want to be learning from the people who've gone before them um, and this is the big challenge, I think, for um, organizations that on one hand, the people who perhaps have a great deal of knowledge and skill and should be passing that down to the next generation, they're the ones who are perhaps most resistant to coming to the workspace. Um, and so there needs to be some kind of incentive for those people to be on site and, uh, and share what they know with the next generation. And in some cases, uh, CEOs or, or leaders have come to, to me basically posing this as a problem that we need you to help us create an office which is going to attract people back to the workspace and allow the uh, information to flow within the company. Yeah, and that, this is an issue we're going, to talk, we're going to talk about a little bit later, how can we attract people to the, to the workplace. But I, I'm still interested in, in hearing your, view about, your views about, you know, this meaningful, meaningfulness of of the workplace, because to me, it's like, we've heard that before, you know, before the pandemic, where everybody was, when everybody was working at the, at the office, we had companies, where you had companies creating those spaces where you could play, you know, uh, uh, foosball or ping pong, or you had, you know, you started, you started having these, uh, these uh, free desks anywhere. So what was the, what was the big change? What was, what was the wake up call? What, what really happened? So I think from my experience, um, the big change we, we saw is that um, quite rightly, you say that workplaces were already going through this change already. And basically all the new workplaces that we were working on, we would describe as activity-based offices 
um, pretty much as um, Bernard just um, described, of having different zones where you can choose where to work depending on the activity you're working on. Um, and I suppose one definition of hybrid work is effectively activity-based working, which used to be contained within a workspace going kind of global, that you choose the space to work depending on the task you're doing. And that place might actually be at home or it might be a third place like a library or a co-working place or something like that. So whilst the, um, the ways of working are not necessarily new, I think what the pandemic has done is serve as a catalyst and push a lot of companies maybe 10 years down the line they were probably going to end up in this place anyway, um, but um, they've certainly reached there uh, a lot quicker than, uh, than many of them expected. Um, yeah. And I suppose for a lot of individuals who used to think that they would never be able to work anywhere than in their main workspace with all their staff and papers around them, then they've been shown very quickly that actually you can survive with uh, a laptop and, and PDFs and, uh, and VPNs rather than being in a in a workspace. So I think that's the main change that this has accelerated what was coming anyway. Yeah, um, I'd like to build on that, Robin, what you're saying. And, and I think that actually also to your question, Laurent, employees have discovered what it means to have your workplace from home. <laughs> so it's just that they were not used to that. And so they never really organized their own life around it. It was more occasional. And then what everything that Robin described is completely right in terms of how the new work workplace, where the office workplace has been evolving over the last years. But what the pandemic has accelerated is how people realize that their workspace from home means for them. And they had a lot of time to test and try it and organize their life around it as well, for those who could, like the nanny, like you know the, 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 the cleaning lady coming uh, on Fridays, uh, I don't know, everything else, you know, school uh, drop off and, uh, and all these things. And so <clears throat> now they have, in some aspects, they have upgraded, everybody has upgraded the way they, they organize their work from home. So, uh, so then it, it competes against the office, which was kind of moving forward and, 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 and being upgraded. But then it's just that the remote work or the work from home has also upgraded over the last two years and competes with you know, presence in the office. Early March. Google announced that it was expecting its employees to begin returning to physical offices by April the 4th. Uh, they said that most workers should plan to return three days a week, not five, three days a week. And Mark, you mentioned that earlier on in the conversation. And they also say that they plan to help people transition to their new routines in preparation for what they call their hybrid working approach. Mm -hmm. So hence my question then. What is today's purpose of the workplace? I'll go back to what we were saying about meaningful interactions and creativity, collaboration, those kind of things. So this is a, a place where you have increased um, performance by meeting in person versus having it virtual. And I think this is where we need to, uh, you know, more clearly identify what are those occasions, but I think people understand it themselves. Um, the experience we have uh, where I work at the moment is that um, so we announced gradually, you know, return to norm in the office. It was also subject to what the authorities and sanitary measures were allowing. So that that's important. Um, and then then since that moment, we see, uh, you know, an increasing number of people generally the same, um, but coming in person to the office and enjoying it, you know, 
and acknowledging it around a cup of coffee, around um, the lunch, because we, we have a big table where we, everybody can share lunch in, in the office, uh, uh, around the fact that they resolve a lot of very minor things, but they resolve them like in instantly versus having to schedule a, a Teams meeting um, and so on and so forth. Um, so, so what is the new hybrid workplace? Well, we're probably still you know, trying to figure it out, but it's, it, it's a blend between collaboration and performance where, well, uh, yeah, or perf yeah, high performance collaboration where in-person physical presence makes it much easier and faster. What I'm saying is that the, the work week is now being segmented into different types of tasks and days. So the days in the office are very purposeful, problem solving, brainstorming, meeting days. And then there's a day or two or three days a week at home that are very purposeful, put my head down and focus days or travel days. Um, those are the days we travel. These are the days we meet. And it didn't seem to really exist before the pandemic. It all kind of blended together. But now this very purposeful segmentation of the, of the work week, um, which I don't know is a bad thing. I think it makes sense that, hey, when we come in, Benoit, to the office, this is what we are doing. We are brainstorming and working and meeting. And then you go home and you have all your calls. This, I think this is a very good um, summary because it it is being identified this way. I, I don't think the I, well, I, I think the way you um, summarized it and and presented it makes a lot of sense. I I haven't put word this way so far on it. That's great. Yeah. It sounds like a great uh, great solution to me. Um, a challenge that we're seeing um, arise is questions about the actual size of office that's needed. Um, because this all depends upon strategy and, and policy within each organization. And Mark, I'm interested to hear when you're talking about the setup of having specific days earmarked for specific tasks. Um, this uh, makes a lot of sense and it's uh, really smart to have focused days working at home and travel days and, and then days to work with your team. Um, what we're seeing is that um, the team days in the office need to be pre-planned so that you're there at the same time as your team members. And it's possible for organizations to reduce their floor plate somewhat so that they only need to accommodate a certain proportion of their employees at one time working in this way. Um, so for example, team A goes in on Monday and team B goes in on Tuesday and what have you. Uh, the danger then is a siloing of information though. Um, and it means that you never kind of have these um, coincidental meetings with people in other departments. You never have the same, uh, everyone in the organization on premises at the same time. And it can really lead to this kind of um, uh, divided uh, workforce. And because of that, some of the organizations we're with are therefore considering uh, keeping the office so that you can accommodate the full team and have days when everybody is there at once. But of course, then there's the danger that you have a very empty office a lot of the time and this kind of um, ghost office where you just have a few people wandering around, especially on a Friday when most people perhaps take one of their work at home days. So there's quite a lot of challenges. And I think it's a lot to do with strategy and, and policy as much as it is to do with planning and physical workspace. So I'm interested to hear from Benoit how you have been uh, handling those kind of policies in, in your organizations. Mm -hmm. 
Well, we don't, well, again, the, the, the way we do it is very open. So we don't try to rule when, who should be in the office. Well, we're actually also trying, like many companies, to get more colleagues back in the office. Um, spontaneously, the finance organization themselves decided that every Tuesdays, everybody would be in the office together. Where, whatever your job is, if you're in a global position, regional position, local position, all finance on Tuesdays. So on every Tuesdays, they really hang to that. And we have every finance colleagues in the office on Tuesdays and they enjoy it a lot. Um, and that also makes easier the interactions from other groups with the finance community, because actually they know that on Tuesdays, even myself, you know, my finance colleagues, I'll find them in the office. So it makes it easier. Um, then, but then we haven't ruled exactly who should be in the office when we've done that during the pandemic um, because of you know um, capacity limitations. That's only the reason, uh, making sure we would, would be below. Um, and and what we are thinking of is actually having social events uh, being organised. Now that you know the sanitary measures are completely relieved or soon to be relieved um, for France and others, but in Switzerland. We will have a couple of social events. I, I like to say that you know food brings people to the office, so we'll have um, food in the office served for uh, for the colleagues. Um, but that's what we're we're trying to do at the moment. We're exploring. Does that answer, uh, Robin? Or does that absolutely? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, I'm really interested to see if there's going to be a rise in sort of leasing or, or rentable facilities that can accommodate large organizations mm -hmm. um so for example if a, a a larger organization decides to reduce their floor plate so much that they can't really accommodate the whole team and then they regulate who attends on which days mm -hmm. i wonder whether we're going to see um sort of retreats growing in popularity and and third places which it's possible to rent in order to get your entire organization and those moments where you provide people with food maybe they don't need to actually happen within your own walls anymore. Um, the, the, it had started already. We had ratios, you know, in terms of uh, occupation. So it was 1.2 to 1.4. I don't know, but probably Mark has more precise ratios than, than me. Um, we, should we move up to two, a ratio for two? So like, you know, one, one seat for two employees uh, in the office space, maybe. Um, but again, I think I think for us, clearly at the moment, the message is we want people to return. So we're not exploring options to reduce the size of the office at the moment. Right. And, and Robin, to your point, I think one of the most fascinating um, developments here in the next couple of years is the financial implications of all this for the, because if I'm the CFO of a company, I say, wait a minute, we're renting all of this office space to be occupied two days a week and the other five, it's dark or three days a week and the other four, it's dark. This doesn't work. And so you asked about the third place and the, and the space that can expand and contract with your needs. I'll be fascinated to see if, if the office space starts being partnered, that company A has the office space Monday and Tuesday and company B has it Wednesday, Thursday. And um, we're working, we're sharing at a, at a corporate level because yeah. economically it doesn't make any sense to rent space for two days a week. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so that's going to be fascinating. This third place, this other solution of, of how do you, and that's the business we're in. Well, uh, what you say, Mark, office. though, implies that CEOs are shifting their minds as well. Because, yeah. you know, two years ago, CEOs were thinking that it's better to have everybody in the office. 
And they were annoyed that we were forced to move away from the office and work remotely constantly due to the pandemic. I mean, in my scope, that's what I've heard. So they would have, you know, it, it requires that they shift their mind to think now, oh, well, then I can make more money, you know, or I can spend less, depends, <laughs> um, if I that's reduce a, my footprint. That's, that's, that's a great point here. And I love that you guys, you know, are doing the conversation with me. <laughs> by the way. We haven't forgotten you, Laurent. Oh, Laurent, hello. I know it looks like it is. <laughs> but it's a great point that Benoit is, is making about the shift in the CEO's mind. Uh, you know, what do leaders, CEOs or entrepreneurs, you know, what do they need to what do they need to do to prepare for that hybrid space, whatever it is? So one interesting phenomenon we're seeing um, when it comes to the possibility to reduce your footplate of your office slightly, um, of course, there's the possibility to make huge savings there. Um, even though we're seeing the shift to hybrid that actually team spaces generally take up more space than individual workstations. So it's not quite so clear cut that um, big organizations can just sort of drop away half of their premise or something like that. Um, but one change that we're seeing is rather than seeing this as an opportunity to save money, um, some leaders are seeing this as a chance to shift their premise to a more expensive and more premium location. And this takes us along the line of thinking that the office is becoming more of a magnet to try and bring your team together. And also, of course, as a way to try and attract new talent to your organization. So there's quite many different twists and turns in this, uh, in this story. So saving money is not necessarily the outcome, but maybe raising your, the profile of your organization through having premise which is located in the city center or maybe next to a, a railway terminal or, or you know, in, in really good location um, and uh, increasing the quality of premise rather than just making a saving. So there's quite a few, uh, a few possibilities that can come from this. And of course, it's also possible to create some kind of combination of the two where you end up with um, a more premium space and you're saving money as well. And you're creating something which is uh, more appealing to uh, to the next generation and, and as a way to attract new employees. Makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm thinking about those who will you know, listen to the podcast and, and the entrepreneurs, whatever the size of the organization is. And, and I, but I won't think about multinationals at the moment. Just want to go back to the purpose. What is their purpose having the team together? I'm an entrepreneur um, and I need my team to perform at the highest you know, they can. And therefore, I think this, this question around office space needs to be put together with how do we perform together? What, it, what works best for us as a team or as, as multiple teams depends on the size of the organization. Um, and that's the opportunity to think and therefore to connect that with what Robin was saying. Um, do we want to redesign the office location or rethink the office location? Do we want to redesign the office as such? It doesn't necessarily cost less um, but actually it may be more meaningful <laughs> back to that for the team um, and that's what it forces so the shift I think needs to be connected with you know the business purpose or what what is the ambition of the team or what or maybe what the team thinks works best for them can be discussion absolutely yeah to discuss that. So, so there has to be a really clear strategy for all these pieces to to fall into place 
You know, I think is fascinating is we're talking about legacy companies that existed before the pandemic and now are adapting. It'd be fascinating to see all the new companies that are formed in the coming years. How do they approach this? Because they don't have to deal with the legacy issues. Mm -hmm. They can start from scratch. And that's going to be fascinating to see how that un unfolds. How, how widely do they recruit worldwide? Do they put their offices near airports so people can fly in? Is it more, you know, shared space? It'll be fascinating by the new people what they do. Yeah, and there are Absolutely, more and more yeah. companies going completely remote or starting mm -hmm. completely, completely remote. But if I hear you, you what you're saying is that it's not necessarily the best solution. No, not I, at all. I, no, no. I, I, you know, I don't know if you're a hundred percent remote company. How do you build a culture and bring the new people? Uh, Robin, you were saying it, having the older older team bring the new people on board. How do you how do you bring the new people on board if you never physically meet them? I don't mm -hmm. understand how that works. It, it won't We're very interested to find out, but of course, yeah. organizations which were 100% remote before the pandemic do exist and do function well. Um, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I have very little insight into how they work because they don't need workplace designers. So, <laughs> yeah, but they still, I'm sure they would still meet in person, whatever the format. So maybe these are organizations where people travel or have occasions to meet together. Because, you know, I, I'll give you an example, I won't go into the details. But we were doing the succession planning discussions recently in the organization. And what we acknowledge is actually that with the reduction of travels, we haven't met our people face to face that much, uh, you know, during meetings, congresses, uh, dinners, drinks, whatever, you know, laughing together, having good time, but having also, you know, serious time together. Um, and, and, and this and the acknowledgement of the team was wow, you know, we also, there are also people who joined during the last two years, we never, never, never met in person. So I'm not really sure who they are. Are they tall? Are they short? You know, also that. Um, when, when they speak in front of me, in front of the team's camera, are, are they the same in reality? How do they move in this space? You know, what's their, what's their presence and those things. Um, and all those aspects, I think, influence the way we have a perception of the world. Uh, we can talk about unconscious bias and all that as well, if you want, later. But we need to be very cautious not to cut ourselves from what the human nature is, because that's built in the human nature, um, which is interaction. So at the beginning, I totally of, agree. At the totally beginning agree, of the pandemic, yeah. nobody wanted to leave the office because <laughs> of the interactions. Then people discovered that oh, it's not that bad at home. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now they don't want to go back to the office but we still need the interactions the best yeah. way to create the interaction is to bring them back to the office yeah. <laughs> well, that's a bit of a mm -hmm. bit of <laughs> on, on the on, on the topic we were touching just before um i have i can't name them because i'm it's i can't um but um i know the general manager of a, of a high-end um, uh, consulting firm in france and they were actually already thinking before the pandemic of how would they accommodate their office or their footprint. And what they decided is actually instead of having everybody under the same roof centrally, uh, let's say, you know, um, Paris area, that they reduced that size and actually they um, started to have satellite offices within Paris, outside Paris in the big cities. And, and that reduces on one side their travel costs because instead of having everybody central flying everywhere, then they could have people based in different locations. But that has significantly reduced as well their um, their costs. But they were transforming already, you know, their workplace to adjust to um, to the new reality and new expectations of people and young generation because actually, you know, the pandemic did not wait. 
for the new generation to ask, can I work from, you know, my grandparents' house or wherever? Yeah, it's it's true that uh, the new the new generation may be more accustomed to work remotely and have uh, mm -hmm. virtual interactions than us, the old guys. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I've come across a few organizations who have been planning similar strategies. And uh -huh. I've heard this uh, setup called a hub and spoke uh, strategy. Um, and the idea there can be that even if you do have quite a few satellite offices and maybe they're your own premise, but they could also be permits in co-workings near to people's homes, for example, mm -hmm. um, or exactly. they even could be people's homes. Um, but then they also have a kind of hub. So something which is maybe downtown or more easy to reach and is maybe their kind of showpiece uh, office. Um, and I think that's something which we're going to see become more important in the future, actually, the, the identity um, of the office is going to um, perhaps take on more meaning um, as workspaces, maybe they become a little bit more fragmented, um, whether or not you're working within the walls of the organization mm. is not so clearly defined, um, but then the, the design aesthetics, the image and the, um, the setup of this kind of hub, this maybe quite small, um, core building which is uh, representative of your your company's culture is going to take on maybe more meaning in future it it also has to stick and that's what we were saying before to what the purpose is um, so in consulting you want to be close to your customers and you may have customers developing in different in different places different cities over time um, if you are I don't know if if you don't have that same need, then you may not want also to have the you know too many satellite offices. It it really depends what your needs are. Very true, yeah. And I think actually when talking about the needs, it's also really worth remembering that the people that we're talking about here, um, when you talk about consultants, um, I guess that really uh, sums it up that we're talking about more high level knowledge workers who are quite independent. Um, and, and, and used to self-direction. And we have to remember as well that there's a lot of organizations who have much junior level staff, much younger staff, mm -hmm. people who, for them, the purpose of the office is not about collaboration. It's not about culture. It's not about some higher level need. It's just about having a place to sit in quiet and, uh, and be able to focus on your work. And uh, so that's something that we've been working on with a few organizations as well, the idea that we're changing their, a lot of their open plan office space into more team rooms and project rooms and places to collaborate, but still they really need to have really good spaces for individuals to come to the office and just do focus work on their own as well. That's, that's interesting because if I take my example, uh, you know, the, 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 the office used to be the space where I couldn't work, do some quiet work. If I wanted to do that, I would have to go home. But what you're saying is that right now, what, you, what, what we see coming is the reverse trend. Maybe not necessarily a trend, just that we need to understand different people have different needs. Mm. Um, and for you, Lauren, maybe you are uh, in this category of high level knowledge worker that I was talking about before, that you're used to being able to to direct yourself and you have a home which is a good setup for working um, but for for maybe some people work is um, at home that might be full of kids or they might have been working on a dining room table on a laptop for the last two years and and they just really want to be able to get into a workspace 
with a good electric table, comfortable chair, big screen, and uh, put some headphones on and, uh, you know, focus on their work that they've not been able to do for the last two years. So, Mark, we haven't heard you for, for a while. <laughs> so <here's> a, <laughs> Sorry. A, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm enjoying learning a lot. Um, <laughs> but I have a question for you. Yes. You, you were in a co-working space. Uh -huh. right? And you start, we started talking, we talk about a lot of things. So let's, let's try to summarize a little bit. What are the big trends that you see coming? Well, first of all, I think it's very important that to first focus on our customer. Our customer is not what we've been talking about for the last 42 minutes or so. Our customer is a small local business, one, two employees, an independent contractor, uh, somebody who typically has been working remotely or working from home for a long, long time. So our, our company, uh, unlike some of our big competitors, we don't really focus on solving problems for large enterprise level companies. We focus on solving problems for that home-based worker. So what we have found is exactly what you're all saying is the, the, they've always worked from home, but they can't focus at home. They have to get out of their house, whether it's the dogs, the kids, the nanny, the, the spouse is also working from home. So our whole strategy has been to provide focus spaces for people close to their home. So they can five, 10, 15 minutes, get home, get, get away. But keep in mind, our client is that very small micro business, the local lawyer, accountant, business coach, you know, those type of things. So we've seen uh, a very big movement to small focus spaces uh, because that's they're just simply trying to escape their crowded house. Yeah, if I, if I take my example, I'm a, I'm a solopreneur. I've been working yeah. home for, for four and a half years now. Yeah, I definitely get what you say. And actually, sometimes I feel too isolated. So we're going back to that discussion we had about social interactions. You know, I'm by myself all day long at home. I need to meet people. I mean, I meet people like you, but it's all virtual connections. I want right. more like really in-person in -person connections. And, and where this is going for, for our industry is exactly what we're all saying here, but in a different level. Our typical client used to rent an office full-time, 30 days a month. It was their office. But now we see a, an increasing number of clients who say, no, I actually want the office only two days a week, three yeah. days a week. And so I'll come in, set up my laptop, work for two days, and then I'll go home for the rest of the week. So our industry is also changing in that we need to be more flexible at the micro level, at the individual office level. You know, Robin, you might have it today, Benoit tomorrow, Laurent the next day. Um, so that's where our industry is going in, in co-working is ultimate flexibility. I think there's going to be an increased interest in your kind of co-workings amongst larger corporations as well, Mark. Um, we've been working with one organization. I don't know whether they would like this analogy, but it's kind of like the Airbnb of uh, the office world. So you can use their system to plug your real estate um, into a kind of network, which then allows other people in the system to use the slack when your offices are not being used. Um, and they have co-workings as part of this system. So by being a member of this, it means that if you're a worker for a large organization, you have an option of either working at home, going into the head office, or then you have a huge range of co-workings, which are maybe local to you. Um, and I wonder whether we're going to see a rise in this, that people who traditionally have made a big commute, that rather than making that commute or working at home, they're actually going to be choosing to be in a local co-working, and that the co-working community starts to replace some of the reason why they used to go into their headquarters in the first place that some of the social interaction takes place with people in the co-working who are not necessarily in their organization and we might even see 
co-working places becoming more like um, kind of like the village square, if you like, or the local pub where people feel as much connection to that place as they do the organization that they work with. And maybe even they can remain for many, many years as part of that community, whilst their job and their employer might go through many changes. Yeah, that's exactly what we're saying. And, and, and so that very isolated or micro, micro user is the kind of you know, um, client we serve. We are seeing more of the enterprise users who are distributed you know, the big companies using our spaces too. So yeah, we're definitely going to fill a niche out there um, for that kind of specific use. Yeah, fascinating times to see yeah. how yeah. these uh, develop. Yeah. But, but no, I'd like to come back uh, to you because you are uh, in HR. So you, I, I guess you have a lot of conversations with, uh, with people. Mm -hmm. what, are, what are some of the concerns that you have, that you have heard from, from people? Concerns about what? Returning to the office or? Yeah, about, about this, you know, this this topic we've been talking about this between yeah. office <clears throat> hybrid space you know what's next really, yeah I, th I think i have no general comment here because simply i think everyone sees it differently um there are people on the payroll today that i've never met in person never seen in person there are people i've never seen at all i think they're very happy and they enjoy working remotely they're maybe in, in a global role based in switzerland but with no connection with the local team and more with you know teams elsewhere and then you have the accountant or team or, uh, you know, the uh, office manager. I see the office manager on a regular basis who have a very different job. And, and actually, they prefer to uh, uh, interact in person and, and they prefer to be back in the office. What I said just before really is really means that people want to have more of personal interactions, one to one, physical, seeing each other sharing a cup of coffee, uh, laughing around the corner of an office or in the corridor, and I see more of that. Now, how do we provide you know, anchor or encourage um, through either the office setup or some rules, which, we, which is not the spirit in which we are at the moment, but some may want to use rules to do that. How we encourage this you know, um, human interaction again more in, in person, um, we're all thinking about that. There are a lot of answers, yeah. of questions yeah. to be answered. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Now, I'd like to point something, and, and it's, it's about, in general, the office space across countries, because maybe, you, you know, when you talk about the office space, you mentally, you think, well, that's the office here, but it can be multiple offices around different countries. Now, I don't know if, if that's the case for a lot of, of the people who will listen to, to the podcast today, they have offices everywhere. Um, but what we're, we're trying to think is how do we maintain uh, the social connections for some people who are based in different offices but are part of those virtual teams. So we are, in the way we think about um, workplace um, in the company is global. So it means that the principles I described earlier for our office in Geneva is, are actually exactly the same and have been implemented in the same way in the other offices. So that the ecosystem around the, the notion of workplace is consistent across the organization with the same policies, same rules, same principles um, to, to make it, yeah, I don't know, easier, I hope, for, for our colleagues. Okay, so we've been talking for nearly 50 minutes, I think. Um, time flies. So it, the time for my last question. If you take, you know, all your experience, all the topics we covered today, what is the one recommendation that you will give to business owners or leaders 
with regards to the future of the workplace. I'm going to start with Mark. Thank you. <laughs> You're most welcome. Um, I, 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 I guess my recommendation is we've got to be flexible and nimble because we, we don't know where this is going to go. And you've got a new generation of worker coming in here who's very used to flexible and nimble. And so to go back to the old ways just isn't going to work. So I guess my recommendation would be be as flexible and open to change as you can be. Yeah, so um, I think for me, as well as being flexible and open, I think also there's the necessity necessity to be brave as well and to start make some changes. But I think the, the, the smart way to do that is to make quite small incremental changes and try and test and involve employees as much as possible in every step of the process. And we've started to do this with a few organizations here in Finland already where um, the small changes they are making, they're not doing anything drastic like reducing the office footprint or anything like that but they're changing the use of some of their spaces and starting to make more project rooms and community kind of spaces. Um, but they are not making radical changes. They're not making huge investments, but it's important that they do something to show employees that things are going to change and um, that um, they are uh, moving towards um, a different kind of office function in the future. And by making some changes, it means that they have the chance to test those changes, um, get feedback from their employees, involve their employees in discussion, and then make another set of changes after, you know, a few months, half a year or a year or something like that. So I think going through a lot of small incremental changes, testing feedback, and um, as uh, Mark says, being very open mind about open minded about what the results might might be is uh, is really important. Yeah, and you mentioned something involved involved your staff with the decisions. Absolutely, I think it's yeah. not something that we really covered before, but yeah, yeah. But one. this is a real opportunity to uh, to engage your employees in in these decisions, and especially for those who have found the pandemic particularly difficult, or for new staff who've come in, it's a real opportunity to to engage them, get them involved in the process, and and really give them. Uh, ownership then of the solutions that we come up with in the future. It's a, it, well, so so I'm, I'm the last one here. I'll say exactly what I wanted to say. It's very similar to how you you're you know orientating or or, or how you're driving the discussion here, Robin. Um, the word I had in mind was listen, listen to your customers, listen to your employees, and I think for a long period of time, for the last even decades. There was no listening. The office was where the building is, and then you have your badge, and then you go there. <laughs> you don't even need to think about that. You know, it has changed drastically, and 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 Mark Outline will never be back again in this format. And I really trust that. I really trust that as an HR professional. Um, so listening to the customers means, you know, what works for you when we interact with you, our customers, through our teams, you know, through your visits, whatever. And listen to the teams because uh, again I'll, I'll I'll close on that. It's about unlike how how we've done that. That's uh, the company I work. Uh, it's about meaningful interactions. So when I when when meaningful interactions again can mean different things for different people or different teams or in different categories of organizations. But if you really ask yourself the question when you own a business when you run a business, what are the what meaningful interactions mean for us? then it may help also kind of, you know, drive your mind towards 
okay, what's the kind of workspace we need then, you know, flexible, hybrid, call it the way you want. You may get answers, but listen. Excellent. Well, thank you very much to the three of you for your time today. It was fascinating. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Thank you. you, Robin and Mark. Great to <laughs> be in the session with you today. Absolutely. Absolutely. I learned a lot. So thank you very much. I very much enjoyed it. Right. Me too. And yeah, this this could go on for hours as far as I'm concerned. It's great chatting <laughs> uh, yeah, to you guys. Yeah, I'm sorry. I have to, I have, I have to cut now. <laughs> and thank you for listening or watching. Before you leave, uh, subscribe to my podcast. See you next time. Bye-bye.